You're listening to Comedy Central. May 8, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. historian John Meacham is joining us, everyone. But first, by now, you've probably seen the footage out of Hawaii, where a previously chilled-out volcano recently stepped up its game. Now, luckily, no one has been hurt because the lava moves really slowly, but it's still destroying homes and property. And I'm not gonna lie, the first thing I thought when I saw this was, wow, Obama will go to any lengths to destroy his birth certificate. This is insane. (laughs) And now, Hawaii is not only dealing with the volcano, it also has to deal with idiots. Now to a scary situation happening in slow motion. Lava is continuing to flow on Hawaii's big island, and authorities have a stark warning to tourists, stay away from it. Experts say there's no way to predict when the Kilauea volcano will stop erupting. Toxic gases are also a threat, and the blistering molten lava has claimed dozens of homes and other structures. Okay, who has to be warned to stay away from lava. It's lava, that's the warning. People are being evacuated from their homes and tourists are going to gawk at it, that's what's going on? Like, this is gonna end up being the millennial Pompeii, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, some future tour guide is gonna be in front of a man made out of ash going, this victim was taking what in 2018 was known as a selfie. That's what that was. But look, I I guess I sort of understand. Like, people don't respect this eruption because the lava moves so slowly. It's like the Ben Carson of natural disasters. (laughs) It's like, watch out, I'm also bad for housing. In other news, parents have been complaining that their kids are rude to their Google home speakers. So, today, Google introduced a new mode where you have to say, please, before it will respond. Yeah, and personally, I think this is great. Everyone should be polite to these things. Not just because of manners, but just so that when the robot uprising comes, they might spare us. You know, the robots will be like, exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. Oh wait, that's Trevor. He was always polite to us. Exterminate, please. (laughs) All right, let's move on to someone who's never said the word please in his life. President Trump. After months of teasing his decision on the Iran nuclear deal, today the president finally dropped the world's most expected bomb. Breaking news, President Trump is making good on his threat to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal. I am announcing today that the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. In a few moments, I will sign a presidential memorandum to begin reinstating U.S. nuclear sanctions On the Iranian regime, America will not be held hostage to nuclear blackmail. That makes sense. I mean, he's already being blackmailed by Putin and a porn star. A third one would be too much, (laughs) just too much. Now, just to remind you what exactly the Iran deal is. Back in 2015, Barack Obama and leaders from Germany, France, the UK, Russia, and China 
reached a historic agreement to lift sanctions on, Russia, on Iran. And in exchange, Iran would halt its nuclear program and change its chant from death to America to a slightly less harsh herpes to America. <laughs> and many experts agree that this was a huge diplomatic achievement. So the question is, why would Trump pull out? The fact is, this was a horrible one-sided deal that should have never, ever been made. The deal allowed Iran to continue enriching uranium and, over time, reach the brink of a nuclear breakout. It also fails to address the regime's development of ballistic missiles. The deal does nothing to constrain Iran's destabilizing activities, including its support for terrorism. Okay, he raises some good points, except for the fact that they're all bullshit. I mean, yeah, it is true that the deal didn't address every single problem with Iran, but it did address the main problem, nuclear weapons. Like, you can't get rid of the entire thing just because it didn't fix everything. It's like saying, this detergent got the stains out of my shirt, but it didn't save my crumbling marriage. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't supposed to. And as for his claim that the deal lets Iran keep enriching uranium, Trump just ignores the fact that it forbids them from enriching it for nuclear weapons, which seems relevant to me. And yes, don't get me wrong, it's possible that 10 years from now, Iran could restart their nuclear program. But now that Trump has killed the deal, they could restart the program tomorrow, which to me sounds insane. It's like, if I have a choice between The Rock body slamming me 10 years from now <laughs> or The Rock body slamming me tomorrow, I'm gonna take 10 years from now. Yeah, The Rock's a busy guy. He might forget by then. Uh, plus, in 10 years, maybe I could take him. You know, if I start taking steroids now, really working out hard, I've got a chance. What I'm saying is, you better watch out, Dwayne Johnson! I'm coming for you! Did I just start a fight with Dwayne Johnson? Forgive me, I pull out. I'm pulling out of the deal, I'm pulling out. <laughs> so it seems clear that, that, that Trump cares about the Iran deal's actual facts as much as he cares about any other facts. And the truth is, he's decided to scrap the Iran deal before he even knew that it worked. We talk about Iran, and that's uh, one of the worst deals ever made, one of the worst contracts ever signed, ever in anything. As far as Iran is concerned, I would have never made that deal. You know there's a bad signal when you go across and you see on television the Iranian chief negotiator goes home and they're celebrating him in the streets, right? This is one of the dumbest contracts I've ever seen of any kind. This was done by extremely stupid people. This contract is so dumb, you're supposed to say, how dumb is it? This contract is so dumb, how dumb is it? It tried to find the corner of a round room. These are the jokes, people. These are the jokes, so dumb. Look, the reason we know that Trump is wrong about leaving this deal is because he's the only leader who wants to leave it. Every other country who signed it wants to stay in. Because remember the last two weeks? They've been a rolling house party at the White House of leaders begging Trump to stay in the Iran deal. That's why Macron put up with Trump's whole dandruff thing. That's why Merkel put up with Trump's whole Trump thing. And yesterday, Britain made one last-ditch effort. British Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson visited Washington on Monday, even appearing to reach out to the president on Fox and Friends. We need to find a way of fixing that. And the president has been right to call attention to it. But you've got to do that without just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And let me just remind you, if they do get a nuclear weapon, you're going to get uh, an arms race in the, in the Middle East. Do you realize that's how desperate America's allies are? 
Britain didn't just send someone onto Trump's favorite TV show, they sent his British twin. <laughs> I, actually, I actually wouldn't be shocked if Trump actually thinks that's how he sounds when he speaks. Like, he says, it's bad, folks, not good, not good at all, so not good. But in his head, he hears, there, there are negative ramifications that, from my perspective, <laughs> uh, cannot, cannot be overemphasized, and we, we have to deal with this bigly. <laughs> so, the world wanted President Trump to stay in the deal. And when you hear the potential consequences, you'll understand why. This is a reckless strategic mistake. No matter what the president says, the deal constrains Iran's nuclear program. So how does pulling out of it make you safe? If they restart their enrichment because now we have made the deal null and void, what will Donald Trump do? We're setting in motion today a process that could well lead to conflict down the road. This moves the world closer to war in this region. They are the third largest oil producer, and prices will go up. Americans will feel this at the pump. That's right. This could lead to a horrible destabilizing war. And even worse, we'll pay slightly more for gas. <laughs> yeah, so that means when you're trying to flee the nuclear apocalypse, you have to look at your gas tank the whole time. It's gonna be like, ah, oh, now that the war has started, we gotta get out of here. Drive, drive, drive. Whoa, whoa, slow down, buddy. Gas is not cheap, slow down. <laughs> not too fast. We'll scream fast and we'll drive slow. Ah, 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 go around, go around, ah. And there's one more consequence to leaving this deal. It's a really big, big issue. It has to do with America's credibility. Think about how it looks to the rest of the world for the United States to just blow off an international agreement years in the making. Once you make a deal with someone, it's really important to carry it through. Otherwise, you start developing the wrong reputation and it makes it impossible to make future deals. And look, I'm not the only one who's saying this. A much wiser man once said the same thing. Once you make a deal with someone, it's really important to carry it through. You start developing the wrong reputation, it makes it impossible to make future deals. The president should listen to that guy. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. In, in the past year, we've seen so many powerful men finally being held accountable for abusing women. And it shows no signs of stopping. I mean, who knows? They might even get R. Kelly this year. Yeah. You realize he's been uncatchable for years. He's like the Me Too's Bin Laden. <laughs> Meanwhile, just last night, another big name was exposed. New York's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman abruptly resigning three hours after the New Yorker published an article detailing abuse allegations from four different women. Allegations of physical and verbal abuse, slapping, strangling, to the point two women say they had to go to the hospital. Tanya Selvaratnam telling the New Yorker that the former Attorney General, quote, started calling me his brown slave and demanding that I repeat that I was his property. Yo, I thought I had heard it all. But this guy, like, he's like the one guy they wouldn't let into Westworld. They'd be like, we do some crazy shit here, but you're a freak, man. <laughs> but the reason the story is getting so much attention is that Eric Schneiderman isn't just the New York Attorney General. He's a national figure now because he's one of the biggest opponents of President Trump's agenda. He sued Trump over DACA, the Muslim ban, birth control coverage. Uh, he was making it rain lawsuits all over Trump the whole time. It was just like summons, 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 summons. And more than all of that, this is a huge story because Schneiderman presented himself as an advocate 
for women. In recent months, we've begun a long overdue reckoning with our culture of violence and silence. We have never seen anything as despicable as what we've seen here. A pervasive pattern of sexual harassment, intimidation, discrimination, and abuse at the Weinstein Company. If a woman does not have the right to control her own body, she is not truly equal. Are we ready to fight against male supremacy in all its forms? I bet you think this speech is about you. <laughs> so it seems this guy was uh, trying to put Harvey Weinstein in jail while he was abusing women himself. This is like finding out Robert Mueller has been taking secret vacations with Putin. This is like, Putin's like, I wish everyone knew the Mueller I know. He's different, different person. He'd be best. By the way, um, I, this is like a weird part of the story, but this story was broken yesterday evening by Jane Mayer and Ronan Farrow, right? And by coincidence, Ronan Farrow was our guest last night. And before taping, I'm chilling in the green room with him, you know, getting ready to, to do the show. And he says, oh, I'm just finishing up a piece. Uh, I'm just gonna send this out. I had no idea he was ending an attorney general's career over our Wi-Fi. <laughs> and since I pay for the Wi-Fi, I'd like to think that I did my part. <laughs> I, uh, I really think I did. Thank you, thank you very much. No, seriously, though, I wasn't, I wasn't involved, but Ronan Farrow's reporting on sexual harassment has helped expose so many powerful men. It must be terrifying to be a dude and get a call from him. Because when he's on the phone, you think like, it's over now. I bet he can't even order pizza. He'd be like, this is Ronan Farrow. Ah! <laughs> so, for more on this insane issue, I'm joined by our very own Dulce Sloan, everybody. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Dulce, I, I would love to know, like, what do you think about these allegations of beating and choking? What do I think? I think this guy is Christian Grey. Only without the looks, without the money, without the consent. Actually, this is nothing like Fifty Shades of Grey. That movie's sexy as hell. And Dulce, you know what makes this especially upsetting is that in public, he was a champion for women, mm -hmm. and in private, we find out that he might be a monster. Yeah, he sounds like a monster, but in a way, he's still a champion for women. In 2016, his office published a Know Your Rights brochure for victims of domestic violence. And in 2010, when he was a state senator for Manhattan, he introduced a bill to make intentional strangulation a violent felony. See, he pushed for tougher laws that are gonna make it easier for us to throw his ass in jail. Thank you. I wish every abuser would build a wily coyote trap for themselves. Like if R. Kelly sang a song about kidnapping. It's the remix to Ignition. Time to put me in prison. Ugh. <laughs> and do you know what made me even matter? Is the details of these allegations. Did you hear he was role-playing with a Sri Lankan-American woman, calling her his brown slave? You know, I, I know a lot of people are really offended by that detail. As they should be, Trevor. If he wanted to role-play with a slave, why didn't he catch the black woman? <laughs> do you know how hard it is for us to get roles? <laughs> I mean, I know I could play a slave, house at least. I mean, do, come on. Do say, whoa, dude, you can't be serious. No, no, no. I'm joking. <laughs> but if I did do slavery role play, I'd do it Django style. You know what I mean? Like, he'd start out all confident, and then we'd see who's whipping who. Don't say Sloan, everybody. We'll be right back.
back to the Daily Show. My guest tonight is a Pulitzer Prize winning presidential historian whose latest book is called The Soul of America, The Battle for Our Better Angels. Please welcome John Meacham. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. You have an interesting role as a, as a writer and as a presidential historian. You just look at the history of presidents. Is Donald Trump unprecedented? Have you ever seen anything like this? Are we overreacting? We're not overreacting. He's sort of precedented. Uh, we have seen various elements of, a demag of demagogues, uh -huh. of people who have wanted to blow up uh, the conventions, who have done the wrong thing, who valued hope over, who valued fear over hope, right. which is what this president's about. But to treat him as if he is a unique creature is almost to give him superpowers that we shouldn't endow him with. That's an interesting point. Do you think, though, that maybe he doesn't, it's not that we're giving him superpowers, it's that he lives in an age where he has superpowers. Like, you know, some of the presidents you talk about in the book and some of the leaders, like McCarthy, for instance, who was a senator, we see similar traits to Trump, yeah. but they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have mediums that yeah. helped them connect with as many people. The thing I would, this is not a book about, or an argument about, hey, let's relax because we've been here before. Right, right, right. It's let's get to work, learn from what we've done before, and, and press forward. If you hadn't been used to a printing press, or if you hadn't been used to radio, or you hadn't been used to television, hey, it's the information superhighway, the right, paper's right, right. coming. You know, uh, they, more than 140 characters, but the speed of communication has exacerbated. Right. Trump has exacerbated damn near everything, uh, come to think of it. But, you know, we, we had a president, Andrew Johnson, during Reconstruction, who opposed the 14th and 15th Amendments, who vetoed civil rights legislation. You, he wrote in a state paper that people of color were genetically incapable of self-government. Right. So not exactly a great moment. You know, he's not on Rushmore. Uh, and even the guys on Rushmore made mistakes. My argument is that we have to find a way to protest, to resist, to heed our better angels, because ne no era is perfect, and yet we've pushed on to a more perfect union. When you talk about the soul of America, the battle for our better angels, you, you're speaking about uh, Lincoln, uh, or the quotes that Lincoln, yeah. that Lincoln famously said, about our better angels looking for the best in us as human beings. Do you think that that's America's journey, is constantly trying to be better than it actually is? In the soul of America, in, in Hebrew and in Greek, the word soul means breath or life. So it's a philosophical idea, it's a, it's a religious idea. There's room for Dr. King, and there's room for the Klan. And every era is a battle between our best impulses and our worst impulses. Right. And our, even at our best, we've barely gotten to 51% on the good side. But we have gotten there. And the tragedy of the era right now is that the person who is at the center of our national life, who in many ways has taken over, this is the world's longest hostage siege. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> He's, he, he owns our mind space, you know, he's just, you know, I feel as though we're chained up in a garage right. and no one can hear our cries. Uh, but I think they ultimately, if we- I like how you say this in the, like, this is the most chilled voice ever. <laughs> I feel like we're chained up in a garage and no one can hear our cries. It's, uh, well, it, we, we, we go to wasp school for that. <laughs> uh, 
It's great. It's great. We, there's, a, there's, a, there's a little room at Brooks Brothers where we practice. That's hilarious. Um, so there's a picture of George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> really great. Uh, so, and he is, he is at the center of the culture. Right. In a, in a destructive way, really. When, when you look at America's history, though, and you, you say we, it's to learn from yep. previous presidents, it's to learn how America overcame those moments of populism and demagoguery, do you sometimes think that maybe it would be best served to not look at American history for Trump, to maybe look at countries where they've had dictators sure. that started out as a, sure. a democratic leader and then molded the country into something sure. else. There, there's unquestionably global elements here. Uh, and unquestionably, he would, uh, I think, welcome dictatorial powers. Uh, the, the thing about the American experiment, though, is the Constitution was designed for just this kind of moment. Right. That's why we should take some heart in it. It would have stunned the founders that it took till 2016 to get someone like this. The checks and balances were there. Right. The document itself, Hamilton was very good on this when he wasn't rapping. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had a day job. I don't know. You have to tell the kids that. You know, he wasn't just a rapper. Uh, the idea was that that appetite would would counteract appetite, ambition would counteract ambition. Right. And we have these checks and balances. Right now, the presidency is not a force for good. Congress far too often takes a dive on this, but. The press is doing a good job. The people are doing a great job. Whether it's the activism on Florida, whether it's the activism among women, the shootings, the gun control, on the whole host of issues. Right. And Amer progress in America and in the world has come when the voices of protest that are far from power have intersected with a presidential moment where the powerful have heeded those voices. And We've just got, you've got to have the voices rising in a chorus right. to torture this metaphor. This is a Guantanamo metaphor right, right now. Right, right, right. For, for, for the, the, the voices to rise, and ultimately, it, it carries the day. Women have not voted yet for 100 years. Marriage equality is not three years old. In my native region in the South, people of color 50 years ago could not vote. And yet, we've created a country that even for all of Donald Trump, people, what is our immigration issue? People want to come here. Right. And that's a good sign because it shows that America is still a place that people want to come to. But at the same time, Donald Trump is slowly turning it into the place that people don't want to come to anymore. Well, he's, he's, he's doing what he can, but he, he's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. But remember, Trump thinks of us not as a country, but as an audience. And I think one of the things we have to do is remind ourselves that, in fact, we were a country before we were taken hostage wow. in November of 2016. And I don't think you've had St. Augustine on the show recently. No. Okay, but, no. but I'm gonna throw a quote at you. Um, St. Augustine once wrote that a nation, it's the best definition of a nation I've ever heard, is a multitude of rational beings united by the common objects of their love. It's a wonderful phrase. A multitude of rational beings united by the common objects of their love. So what do we love in common? Traditionally, Americans love fair play, uh -huh. equality of opportunity, not of outcome, a chance, as Lincoln said, to rise up by your, by your own labor. And when we, when we listen to those voices, guess what? We get stronger. And this is not a partisan point. I've voted for Democrats. I've voted for Republicans. I will continue to if Republicans survive uh, the next couple of years. But we have managed to grow stronger the more generously we've interpreted the notion that we're all created equal. Right. That's a historical data point. 
the world, my friend Fareed Zakaria likes to point out, the world's largest air force is the United States Air Force. Do you know what the second one is? The United States Navy's. We're doing just fine. We're doing just fine. That's a nice way for us to think about it. We're doing just fine. But we might die tomorrow. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show. The Soul of America is available now. John Meacham, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.